Do you like fantasy sports? If you're listening to this, we're sure you do. Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and get started on building your dynasty. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player values. Hosted by Russ Fisher, Izzy Elkafoss, and Akash Patel. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dynasty Trade Calculator Podcast. I am your host, Russ, here with Izzy, here with Akash, and we are here to talk about the next steps after your Dynasty rookie drafts and how to use the Dynasty Trade Calculator and its rankings to get you where you need to be to take advantage of those values lying around after your draft. Now that your rookie drafts are most likely over because it's almost the end of May. Like, what are you doing if you haven't done your rookie drafts already? Like, you have patience? Who has patience these days? Definitely not me. Definitely not me. Do you have any rookie drafts that haven't happened yet, Izzy? Yeah, I have a, a few. I have a bunch, actually, yeah. Yeah, really? See, I have one, two, technically. Uh, the pigs' auctions haven't happened yet, and I have one where it's... A group of people that are, we'll call them laid back, where they're just like, man, we could do it in June. We could do it in July. That's fine. And I'm just like, wait, what? Uh, What? I know that's like a good thing. Like, I should have something to be excited for in the future. But it's just like, I feel my inner Veruca Salt coming. I want it now. (laughs) Like, how do you feel about waiting? Are you you okay waiting? Like, do you? Yeah, I think I'm a pretty patient guy overall. So, no, I have no issue with it, especially because... There's a bunch that we do in May, so it's nice to, you know, kind of break things up as opposed to blowing your load all in May and then not have anything else to fall back on. So it's nice having, the, I mean, I already have one that's supposed to kick off in August. We know that. So that one's going to be my latest one. Um, but the commissioner waits every, to August every year. So just kind of the way he does it. Or at least you know that's a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, in, in all reality... I don't actually mind, but I just, I get excited for this stuff, so I want to do it. Actually, let's talk about that for a second, though. Do you notice any big differences between rookie drafts right away and rookie drafts in, I mean, maybe not August, because in August, like, we see workouts. Sometimes we even see preseason games, but let's just say end of July, before we really get to see that stuff. Do you notice any big differences between your rookie drafts in May and your rookie drafts in July? Yeah, there will be some shit. I mean, because what's going to end up happening is somebody's somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get potentially suspended, and not just the rookies themselves, but the players that are around those rookies. Um, and then, of course, camp news is going to come off where you know some you know like Alex Pierce could be turning heads in camp like nonstop, and then he might get driven up the draft board. So that'll happen. It's definitely it def- there's definitely shifts, but. I wouldn't say like there's going to be like major shifting going on, but like I can see a player increasing his ADP by, you know, six, seven spots. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I was trying to think down the past few years and the two people that really come to mind are Deontay Johnson got a nice bump. Like he was originally being drafted around the mid third. And then even just a few weeks, like at the beginning of June, the end of May, he was getting drafted in like the mid second. He got a nice bump uh, after like some news from Steelers camp. And I, the biggest one I ever remember was Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay was going at the end of the third. And then after Baby Tron news went nuts, he was going at the end of the first. Like That's like the biggest jump I really remember. Mm. But other than that, you're right. It's a couple of spots. It's just people getting pushed around a little bit from that turning heads or even if it's just the veteran doing better than like if you know marlon mack is doing great and he looks like the locked in starter maybe pierce drops a little bit but it's really only those few players and maybe like if you really waited and this is gonna 
sad news, Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen went from like undrafted to being drafted in the second because of his camp news. And of course, sad news because he just tore his Achilles, which is coming off an ACL. So, so sad for that man. Yeah. But okay, let's move on to what we were going to talk about. Because like I said before, most of our rookie drafts are over. So of course, all you out there are exactly like we are. So most of yours are probably done. So I want to talk about what happens next. What are you doing right now? Are there any players, rookies or not, that you are targeting in trades now that we don't have anything really happening for the next few months? Like this building up to the draft, the combine, the NFL draft, uh, all that extra stuff that moves values around, shifts stuff around. And now it's just, we're still, we're stuck. Do you make any moves right now? You said you're a patient man, which I am not. Are you waiting for any sort of news? What, what are you doing right now with your dynasty teams? Yeah, I'm trying to like find those like little opportunities to get players that I like. Um, trying to throw an offer here and there, seeing what sticks. Trying to unload some veterans for younger players. Um, yeah, just kind of like, I'm not necessarily trying to build a build a lineup yet. I think that'll come in the next couple months. Um, but you know, I just kind of I kind of poke and prod to see if I can get you know a couple deals that are in my favor. And I and it's kind of like the time where I start targeting tight ends that I like going into this year that will never pan out. That's always fun. <laughs> now, are you? specifically targeting players that won't pan out are you saying because you believe in them because you trade for them they won't pan out because they're tight ends they won't pan out okay in general but we we hope that i mean there's always the belief that they might you know and that's good enough to keep coming back but no they're not none of these guys are going to pan out they never do all right so who specifically right now what tight ends do you have your eyes on yeah so I, I try to target kind of the 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 lower, I would say the lower end guys. Um, yeah. So I'll start from kind of the bottom going up. So Kylan Granson's a guy that I'd be targeting. I know they have Mo Ali Cox, and I know they just drafted Jelani Woods. But Mo Ali Cox doesn't, I mean, he's had his chance to be it, and he's not. So I think Kylan Granson. One game a season. You will get one game a season yeah. at Mo Ali Cox, and you'll never know when it is. So, <laughs> so what I. What I'm looking for is like, okay, Kylan Granson's like the next guy up because he has Jelani Woods won't come in and be like a starting tight end, right? He's going to have to go through, you know, a, a redshirt season. And Kylan, in his short time in Indy, I mean, over the last year, he actually did have some decent production. He popped a little bit as a receiver. So I look at that and say, okay, he just needs to be better than Mo Alley Cox, which I don't think will be that difficult. Um, and then he could have some staking power because honestly, in Indy, it's really just Pittman as the there's a potential target hog, and everybody else is going to be vying for those, you know, wide receiver two or secondary option touches. So, big fan of trying to target him, and he's he's dirt cheap, dirt cheap. Yeah, I I'm trying to think of other tight ends. I, I'm going for C.J. Uzuma and Hayden Hurst. We're actually on a lot of waiver wires or around, well, yeah, on waiver wires during the rookie drafts. And at least in my rookie drafts, you can take uh, vets in the rookie drafts that are on the wire. So in like the, I got rid of my fifth round picks, like, or, or I'm starting to, because I don't know why I put them in there in the first place, because it's far too many rounds for a regular 12 team super flex league. But in the fifth round, that's kind of what I was using my picks on. I mean, Uzuma and Hurst are players we've seen produce at least a little bit and are players on teams that don't have that much at tight end. I know we talked about Ruckert a bit at the end of last show, but that's pretty open, at least for Uzuma to walk into the beginning of the season as the starting tight end for the Jets. And that might be worth something. They haven't had a tight end to speak of much, especially last year while Zach Wilson was healthy. So we don't really know if that's something he's going to use, but why not, man? And for Hurst, we've seen Burrow love him some tight ends. So I think that's worth a gamble also. For sure. I mean, the the way I look at it is I know what Uzan will be. I know what Hurst is going to be. Like, what I'm trying to do is find the next pop, you know? Yeah. So at tight end, 
you know, the Azamas, even if, if they have decent seasons, like, are they really going to move the ne- They're not going to move the value needle all that much. They've already kind of been retreads. Um, yeah. And they might help you for 2022 production. But like I said, they're not going to, you're not going to be able to get some massive ROI on just flipping them where Fair. your opportunities yes. are going to be, are going to be those younger guys that we've never, they've never really popped. So now they get their first pop. And once that happens, you can potentially get a nice potential ROI, you know, flip. Um, but that's kind of how I approach it. But yeah, if you're yeah. looking for somebody that's going to help you this year, yeah, those guys could definitely do that. There's definitely opportunity there. I do want to ask you about one more old man tight end. Has Logan Thomas retired and I didn't know about it? Like, is there a reason that he won't be decent as long as he's healthy in the league? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, he's been on a couple waiver wire. Like, I, I picked him up. I, I am, I did try to target John Bates quite a bit at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Just because he actually got some burn as a rookie. And whenever a tight end gets significant burn and it's relative to young tight ends, I always just kind of try to scoop them up and get pieces of them just in case. They, like Tommy Trembles are, is a good example too. Like that, he could essentially, he could legitimately be the starting tight end for the Carolina Panthers. Second year rookie, he actually played quite a bit last season and he didn't look terrible in his spot yeah. starts, right? So like, why not? Why not? Doesn't cost you much. But yeah, Logan Thomas, I agree with. Yeah, these all these guys we're talking about come in under two points at on the Dynasty Trade Calculator. There's one more name I want to throw out there. I still love me some Brevin Jordan. Yes, and, I agree with and that. And he's another one of those young guys that started to look decent at the end of the season. And I don't think they brought anyone in at tight end. So, and they brought in some other weapons. So hopefully that does help a young tight end. I'm also just a sucker for Miami tight ends. I am absolutely that person that believes in college position narratives, you know, Hashtag Team Clemson, big wide receiver. Give me some Miami tight ends, uh, Wisconsin running backs, like that kind of. Like I abs never draft a USC quarterback. Like I, I absolutely, I don't care how, you know, completely unnecessary, unrealistic, uh, illogical it is. It just, I, I love narrative based fantasy football because it's fun, and I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I, I know that's not super right or anything. I always say, you know, do as I say, not as I do, but like. I'm absolutely for me uh, some Miami Titans. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think Brevin, he was on my list of guys that I'd be targeting. Um, yeah, because he, he did pop at the end of the season. Like, he was a, a legitimate weapon at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, and he was, he's a good, he's got a good athletic profile, and he was kind of relatively hyped by the community kind of going into last, like, last rookie draft. Um, and then people just kind of, they get bored, uh, unless a guy, the the players need to like pop pop. Like they just need to actually be starting lineup worthy for them to be like, Oh, I I want this guy. So with tight ends, you get the opportunity to see them kind of in action first. Um, and then figure out if you want to try to acquire them before the masses catch on. Like Harrison Bryant's another guy, like he just has to. That's a good one. Outplay Joku, and honestly, people are starting to get back on the Joku train. I don't, I don't know. I, I it's it, we want it to happen. It's not that we like. I feel like that's what it is. We remember being high on him when he came in. It was always if they just let him play, if they just let him play. And now it's just oh, they gave him money like that. You know, they didn't let him go. That means like we're we're grasping at the straws. The, of the leftover hope of David and Joku, but man, it's it's probably not happening. He, he he could pop. I mean, yeah, he definitely could pop. He's only twenty five years old, so he's def he's young, and yeah. I I wouldn't be shocked if he did pop. But mm-hmm. I'd probably just look at a guy like Harrison Bryant and say, okay, well, if he doesn't, this guy could be the guy that pops. Okay, let's move off of tight ends because I'm sure most people don't care are there any of these rookies now that the drafts are over that you're going to explore saying maybe this guy just got drafted because of the value of where he was let me see if this owner really really like feels like they want him on this team or see what i can get him for never i'll never i'll never target rookies after they've been because that individual drafted them so they must like them enough to actually pull the trigger on them so no, there, there's very little time where I will actually 
if if the players I have the opportunity to go after a player when they're on the board, still on the board, once they get drafted to that team and you go after that player, there's like this, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but their value to that individual goes up. So somebody drafts somebody at four oh five, okay? They would have accepted a twenty twenty three fourth for that pick. You don't make the trade. They draft X player. You go after that X player. Now you're going to have to pay a 2023 third to get that player because now that person has them and now they know that you want that. There's like some weird psychological thing where before the person drafts versus after the person drafts the player, there's different values with that. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's like, it's like a bird in the hand type of thing. Yeah. See, Akash gets it. Yeah, I was in a league where Mechie went in the early fourth, and I couldn't believe it. I was trying to trade up, but someone took him, and I was like, okay, I'll trade for it because it just seemed like a value. And before, they probably would have accepted, like you said, uh, maybe a fourth, maybe a third, but then they started asking for a second. I'm like, no way, I'm out. Yeah. The second, they draft the guy. Do you ascribe, okay, before the draft, let's say it this way. Do you ascribe to the idea or the ideology that the pick is worth more than the player? Yes. Because, uh, but then after the draft, it's not. Well, here's the thing. The pick is not worth more than the player, especially when you get, so when you get later into the rookie drafts, there's really no, none of these players have real tangible value, right? They're all worth like thirds and fourths. Those, those aren't necessarily good market indicators for anything. So mm-hmm. when it gets to the, fourth round pick or a player what's worth more well they're both worth next to nothing so it's kind of it doesn't matter but when you talk about first round picks then Mm -hmm. yes it does matter so like a a pick will be worth more than a player in the first round but it becomes less and less what would be a good way to describe the kind of the the drawdown of of that the picks, the picks have more flexibility and they're appealing to more people because they can be anything, you know, because yes. say like Kenneth Walker at two, the 102 is more appealing than Kenneth Walker because not everyone has Kenneth Walker as their 102. Correct. Yep. You get delayed first, you know, there's that, that it slowly dwindles, like the, 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 the delta between pick value versus player value will dwindle because at some point. There's really, yeah, there's a lot of options to choose from, but there's not a lot of options that gets anybody, like, hot and bothered. Right, exactly. Here, here's my thought process behind asking that question and why I do still try. I, I ascribe to the theory of draft for value, trade for need. I am absolutely, during a rookie draft, best player available. I will absolutely take whoever I think should be taken there. Or at least, yes, whoever I think should be taken there, if there's someone I want. But if I'm on the board and I'm just like, all right, well, I can't trade out. I can't really. There's no guy here I want that I feel like wouldn't be just ridiculously wasting this pick. I'll just take the next guy that on. I Whoever I think the league will value the most, because I am absolutely for just drafting the guy and seeing what I could do with them afterwards. So that's why I think the reverse holds true, where I think it's worth a shot to see what you can get out of people because yeah maybe you're not because if someone did take a player that they don't even necessarily want at a certain pick i think at that point maybe they will take less because they like you guys said before you should charge more you should get more for giving that having that flexibility to say hey i got the 205 there's like three players right here that should be drafted right now and you get to choose who it is but then no one took it and so they they grab Damian Pierce, they grab Alec Pierce, they grab whoever. And then they're just like, all right, well, I made that pick. Cool. That player's on my team now. All right. And yeah, maybe you have to throw a 23 second. Maybe you have to throw a player that maybe they didn't even consider at that time for that pick. But now that that player's on their team and maybe they feel less thrilled, I feel like that's worth a yeah, shot. I don't know who you're. But that's really not the psychology that I've seen over the years. Yeah, I, feel like- I think most people pick the players that they want, even if it is a reach, and then they overvalue them because they just got them. 
Yes, because they just got, yeah, because now they have, and, and now you want them, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not like, oh, okay, so now I want them even more type of thing. Like, if somebody's not in love with the draft pick, okay, what most people end up doing is they'll put the player up, you know, the pick up for, for sale. If nobody wants the pick, now they have to pick somebody. So what do they do? They start Googling <laughs> names to find news, to fi- to read about a player, and then they start f- kind of convincing themselves that they're in a good spot and this guy is the guy to pick Mm -hmm. so they'll draft that player based on everything that they've read about the player almost like a confirmation bias in a sense (laughs) like where you're like okay yeah i kind of like this guy this is kind of the direction i go and they start reading about said player and then they convince themselves that he's the next one and then now that he now they draft that individual and now you want to come after that individual now they're like well shit Somebody else thinks he's he's the one too. It's it's too it's too soon. You got to maybe wait. Like you just don't want to end a rookie draft and then target those rookies that were just drafted by that individual. Mm-hmm. You just I, I don't know. I've never seen that be the most advantageous way to acquire players. Yeah, I agree. Now there probably are exceptions to the rule, Russ. Like, oh, yes. Always. I mean, we're we're talking about we're talking about tens of thousands of dynasty players. Like Yes, there are some that you can pry those players from cheaper than, for some reason, cheaper. But it's not, I don't think that's the general, the general rule. Yeah, definitely not. I, I just pulled up the trade finder on DLF and I, touched, I just typed in Brees Hall. And a lot of them do happen to be during the actual draft with a lot of picks involved. But I caught a couple. On the clock, would you have traded away the 101 for Leonard Fournette and DK Metcalf? Yes. Traded away the one on one, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I probably, yeah, probably would. You kind of have to. Okay, because yeah. here's a trade clearly post draft where it's Brees Hall and Jacoby Myers for DK Metcalf and Leonard Fournette. I'm trying to see if there is any trades that you think might be weighed a little differently. See, this is a uh, man in a super flex league: Lamar Jackson and Calvin Ridley for Brees Hall and Pat Fryermuth. Yes, yeah, so here's the thing. Brees Hall is not the great example of this because yeah, because Brees everyone Hall has his one on one. Yeah, so he is the one on one. So his market value is the same during and after the draft. Correct. You right, know what I mean, Russ? Yeah. No, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, I didn't really. It was just the first name, uh, Drake London, for Austin Eckler. Eckler. Wow, Drake London for Nick Chubb and Brian Edwards. London. Um. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite of Akash. I'd go Chubb, and then I'd go Drake London over Eckler. Um, so you have Chubb over Eckler. What's that? You have Chubb over Eckler. Yeah, I'd take Chubb over Eckler. Yeah. Oh, that's really? wrong. Ew. Yeah, that's it's not, yeah. No, it's not. Eckler just catches a bunch of passes. We live in a people. Yeah, I, I, dude. I actually had this conversation with somebody on. I forget what what podcast it was. The Eckler thing to me, and, and we'll kind of do a side pivot because this is probably a pretty good conversation. Let's do it. I look at I look at Eckler. He's he's in his age twenty seven season. Okay, so I look at everything from a from a value perspective. He is n- he is only going to depreciate from here, no matter what yes, he probably. does. Okay, probably one hundred percent. Yeah, it's a, uh, no, it's a It's not just probably. It's a hundred. He could be running back one, and he's not gaining value. It's Correct. Just yeah, the yeah. unfortunate truth because he'll be twenty eight. So it's not going to happen. So that we already know that's already what's coming. Yeah, Chubb is a year younger, so we have an extra. We have if Chubb goes off, he won't necessarily skyrocket in value, but at least he he'll hold value. And I and I believe Chubb will have a good season because he's probably the best pure runner in the NFL. Okay. Secondarily is what we saw with Aaron Jones after his 2020 season, I believe it was, where he had a bazillion touchdowns. Austin Eckler just had 20 touchdowns on like 270 touches. Huge touchdown rate, not going to happen again. So you have, the, they just drafted Isaiah Spiller, so he could be, and they even came out and said that they want to reduce his workload. So they don't want to give him the 200 touches now. So now you have Isaiah Spiller taking those potential inside the 510, inside the red zone touches. So you have that looming. And then Austin Eckler's really just had one awesome season, and it was really just magnified by the amount of touchdowns he had. So I look at him and I say, why would I draft Eckler as RB6 
when I can, or RB7 or RB10 or RB, whatever, in that pocket, when I can just trade Eckler and get Aaron Jones, who's probably going to do very similar to Austin Eckler this season. And I get him for half the price. Like, why wouldn't I do that? But you're arguing for Chubb over Eckler. You can make the same thing with Chubb. You could say that you could trade for. I disagree. I disagree with, with Chubb because I think you have an extra, you have an extra year of value retention. You don't have that year with Austin Eckler. So this time next year, yes, DK Metcalf or uh, Drake London and Chubb, if they don't, if Drake London has a whatever season and Chubb has the same season as last season, they're still yeah. going to be worth the same. If Austin Eckler has a good season, he's going to be worth less. Austin Eckler's good season is a top three, top two RB season though. And Chubb's never been better than a low RB1. No, no, that no, that that's a that's a great that's a great season. Uh, if he's an RB two or RB three, that's a that's a great season. But he's even if he has a great season, even if he's an RB two RB three season, he's not going to retain. He's not going to be the RB six or RB seven. He's going to come down. He was RB six in twenty nineteen, RB ten yep. in twenty twenty, and RB three last year. Okay, and he's going to lose value no matter what he does this year. Yeah, probably. But I'm paying for the points. You're paying for points, right? But now you're going to have a 28 year old Austin Eckler, okay? Yeah. And you're now you you talking about we just you know got talking done talking about how flexibility you know you mentioned the word flexibility when we're talking about these picks and rookies and all of that. There is value in roster flexibility, and it's actually one mm -hmm. of the most important aspects of building a dynasty is having roster flexibility. So whatever the economy is in your league, some leagues are are veteran driven. You're going to have a lot of owners targeting veterans. They're usually people that have been di doing dynasty for a long time. But what's what dynasty's taken off in the last 4 or 5 years and there's been a massive shift in league economies to where people are now going after 26 and younger for almost every position. Receiver you get an extra year, you get like 27 and younger. But that is going to be an issue if you have Austin Eckler, similar to what you did with, you know, with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, after his massive touchdown season, he was in Austin Eckler value territory, and now he's not. He depreciated a lot. Which so touchdown you, season? 2019 or 2020? I think it's it 2020 where he had like... 16, I think it was. Si 16 uh, was 2019. Was it 2019 where he had his 16 touchdown season? And then 2020, he was a top five RB again. And then last year, he missed some time, right? Uh, yeah, but he was still, you know, I, I'm guessing he was a low RB1 last season. Yeah. Maybe high RB2. What was he last season? So, like, I, I look at Aaron Jones. He's done nothing wrong. Yeah. He's just now older. And on a team that doesn't have any passing options and AJ Dillon was slow. We're not talking about Aaron Jones. No. Yeah. Okay. That's so, not the yeah, right. So not talking, but I'm talking about Nick, Nick Chubb. The way me. it is for Chubb and Eckler is they'll both lose value next year just because of age. Because Chubb will be Pot 27 next year. He'll, yeah, he'll just turn 27. But I look at Chubb and I can see him. Like Chubb is a guy that he's got the extra year on him and he could, like he's done when he's been healthy, he, he'll push for rushing titles right right so i'm not doubting that have, really we have good, the yeah we'll have the really production there i i have more faith in chubbs per like overall volume and production now i get it eckler gets better production the mm -hmm. way that he gets his production is, is just better because it's receptions you need less of them but right. i can see eckler just kind of turning into a 140 carry back 130 carry back, just being buoyed by receptions, having a great reception season, but that's going to make his value plummet. He needs to finish one or have a absolute dynamite season. Like if he even does what he did last season, he'll lose value. Like he has to do some yeah. somehow do better than he did last season. And for Chubb, I don't for think Chubb, he's right Chubb now. He's like same. RB. R, no, but Chubb is like RB10, RB11. Like you, like. Okay, how about this? I would say that Chubb has a better chance of at least retaining his value because his value is already lower than Eckler, who is a year older, up top, and yes, has a bigger chance of losing workload than Chubb does because Chubb already doesn't have that workhorse role because Hunt is unfortunately there to take the receptions away a little bit. 
So I do agree in that sense, but I still think the price difference between the two isn't enough that I still want to go for Eckler. But it's not just about that. Now, it's about expectation. But taking, taking price out of it, just looking right. at the production that they offer, Chubb's never been the type of player to offer a very good ceiling. In his very best season, uh, points per game-wise, he had 17 points per game, and that was a touchdown per game, like you were talking about. With mm-hmm. Eckler, Eckler's had multiple seasons where he's gone up to 20 points per game. It's so a, The production's not, just not the same. The value that you get from a top three running back, which is absolutely within Eckler's range of outcomes, is overwhelmingly better than a low RB1, which is what Chubb's been for his entire career. So what did, what did, what did Chubb do 19, 20, 21 from an from a score, overall scoring perspective? What, did, what do you mean, what did he do? So like you had Eckler at RB5. I don't have it in front of me. You obviously pulled it up. Yeah. So what is Chubb's 2019? What is his last few seasons? Yeah, Chubb's... Um, in 2021, he had 15.5 points per game. In 2020... No, no. I'm talking about where they finished. Finished. Um, Chubb was 11th in points per game. Minimum eight games. No, no. Well, I thought you were talking about overall scoring. I always do uh, points per game. Oh. Chubb was 14th in position rank because I think he missed two games. Last season? Yeah. yeah I have him I at have nine. Been. I've met nine and he missed and he missed four, four games. And then in 2020, Nick Chubb was RB12 in total points. Seventh in points per game. Having missed three games, four games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I look at, yeah, I have him at, yeah, in this league, I have him at RB6 in total, RB6 in average, RB9 in total because he missed a few games and he missed a few games in, 2021 um so he's rb10 missing three games but getting back to the getting back to the overall conversation of it it's for for me i view the the chubb and you you, when we're talking we're comparing him to drake london so we kind of have to we can't look at chubb and say oh his value is lower so but it's now it's about expectation so eckler's created an expectation and there is a psychology that if a player, like let's say Eckler was RB10, okay, versus RB5 or 6, wherever he's being, or let's say he's RB12, okay, versus RB6, where he's going, and Eckler has this two replicated seasons where he's like RB8, when he's RB6, he will lose, he will, that will be viewed negatively versus if he was RB10 or 11. So he's going to hold his value more at a certain spot than he will when he's higher valued. Like that's just a normal psych- psychological thing. So Eckler, it's not just about what Eckler is going to, to do, but what his expectation is going into this season. And I don't think that he's going to meet the expectation of what he did last season. Like he, what he did last season, I don't think is going to be replicated. So he's going to have a down season from last season where Chubb, I don't think, you can make the argument he missed three games. If he plays a full slate, he doesn't have a worse season than he had last season. See, it's like what I did through high school. I kept getting C's. So whenever I got a B, my parents would be <laughs> super excited about it because the expectation was, all right, I got a C kid. They know that's fine. But, you know, every time, every time <laughs> when I randomly felt like trying on a test, I get a B and they're just like, oh, great. Yeah, here's here, here's a present. You did great. Yes. Keep the expectations okay. low. You get excited when it goes over. I want to bring it back to the rookies because I have I dove a little deeper in the draft and a guy I just love talking about anyway. But before we get there, I want to talk about our sponsor, DynastyOwner.com. I am terrified at the idea of salary cap leagues, but also intrigued. The problem is I run more than two thirds of the leagues I actually play in because I have many, many problems when it comes to fantasy football. But never will I actually want to try and run a salary cap league until I found Dynasty Owner. They make it so easy. They use NFL contracts and they map it out for you year by year by year. And they set up, there's a draft with everything has their own dollar value. They set up everything for you, make it so easy. And they do that using three actual patents they have filed for fantasy sports. Like, how cool is that? So check out DynastyOwner.com and just have fun with salary cap instead of getting stressed out about it. 
Now, I want to talk about David Bell because I love talking about David Bell. I looked up some. Okay, so David Bell was going anywhere between man. I've seen him hit the 112 once. No, 111. Thank you, uh, Riley, for ruining my. He's always in the second round, but anywhere from the 111 to like the mid late second, like 208. I think I saw him go for. Now I pulled up his trades. 2023 first for David Bell, DeAndre Hopkins for David Bell, Kadarius Tony for David Bell. Like these to me, maybe not, maybe, but I'm not sending the 23 first for David Bell. But those other two, if I have DeAndre Hopkins on my team and I have, the, you know, we're facing that six game suspension, Hollywood Brown is far better than anyone that DeAndre Hopkins has played with in Arizona. And maybe I just want to get younger. I easily send DeAndre Hopkins for David Bell right now. Um, he's, he's gaining, he's the only player so far that's had this like, post post draft steam when it's just kind of like the echo chamber like there is so okay. much positive david bell talk right now and yeah, that's probably I, partially i'm bad. a i'm a big <laughs> fan of david bell so like he was a, a target i mean he's my so far he's my most owned rookie and i'm getting you know because he's falling into the mid-second 203 20, i'm taking a little bit earlier than most people would um i still haven't gotten to the first to take him but the 202 to 206 range is where i've been trying to pluck him um, but he's slowly been gaining steam. So I would look at a guy like David Bell, and if your rookie drafts happened after the draft, then yeah, you could have gotten him at 207, 208, potentially, you know, 206 or 208. But now these rookie drafts going off, you have to jump up and get him at 202 to have a, a good chance at him because I think he's starting to go at 203 on average. Right, so David Bell is a is a tougher example of saying, well, what's worth more, the pick or the player? You know, the kind of what we were talking about in the past. But undoubtedly, that player, David Bell, has gained value. He is going to be harder to acquire now than he would have been two weeks ago. Akash, just jump in and tell Izzy he's wrong, just to make me feel better about it. Uh, he's still the two hundred eight in the rookie drafts in the last week for Adiko's ADP. He's pulling from sleeper. Just sleeper, yeah. Okay, I think that's a good representation. Yeah, our, I mean the data that we pull, he's he's moved up. Uh, so the actual calculator has him worth pretty much the two hundred three. Mm. Yep. I know that's not really ADP, but it's the thing I have in front of me. <laughs> so I figured I would contribute. <laughs> yeah, and we pull MFL data as well. Where's he going? MFL? He's going two hundred three. Interesting. Yeah, not just well, it's not just that, but we also. What we also do is we take a look at like what Russ is saying, talking about specific traits for the player, and his yeah. that's being shifted up because he's being traded for more post draft than than he was being drafted in certain spots. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's that makes sense because um, going into the draft, I wasn't sure where he was going to get drafted. If it was going to be a third rounder or if he was going to be round four or later. You know, sometimes players fall like that. And I, that did well could fall, even though I really liked him, just because NFL value speed and he can have a very good combine. But I like him the same range that you do. But I agree that yeah, he has risen um, for me and I think for a lot of people since the since the draft because he was drafted in the third round. I think the landing spot's good too, which I don't really factor in, but everyone else certainly does. I think I do it a little bit. All right, so I want to ask one little question now before we start to wrap it up. Do you care about the waiver wire after rookie drafts have ended? Now, I said before already in my leagues, vets are included in our rookie drafts. Sometimes that drops a rookie that could have been drafted out at the end. Sometimes those, well, sometimes drafts don't allow free agents. They only have rookies. So do you guys actually go through Scourier to see who's still available? And do you actually put any sort of real fab percentage on these guys that you think all right they're worth a roster spot like do you let's pretend you i'm going to go super specific because they're all my leagues like i have 10 trade addicts leagues we get 200 dollars for fab for the season i don't think i've thrown more than four or five dollars at anyone and when i did it's probably the ones that happened first and guys that lasted that didn't get drafted then but got drafted a little later yeah, but still, I'm not really willing to put a majority, a, a decent chunk that would take away from me getting the next 
Darren Waller, Tariq Cohen, that, you know, that sparks during camp where like, oh man, I got to put like a decent chunk down. But do you guys actually care about what's left on the wire after your rookie drafts? Yeah, it is. It's worth looking at. And I agree with you that I'm not throwing down more than a couple of dollars on that. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know if I'd go up to four or five, maybe just one or two if I'm really, like, really making sure I get that player. But most of the time, I'm just doing $0 bids because they went undrafted in a rookie draft. So it's low percentage. I'll, I'll always shots. throw $2 just because I know there's the people I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll put one. And if it gets me, it doesn't. <laughs> so I could just, I could hop over those guys and what's an Genius. <laughs> if I'm ever in the league with you, I'll start putting three. Why did I say that out loud? All right, Izzy, you have a blank stare. So I'm guessing you just don't care. Um, it, you know, it, it's a, it, it's a loaded question because every league is so different in terms of, you know, how many roster spots a league has, how many rookie picks yeah. a league has. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to get such a wide range of that answer is going to change based on every specific league, right? So it's hard to say. Uh, obviously, if there's a league that's a little bit more shallow, then yeah, I'll and there'll be guys that'll be worth five, six, seven bucks. You know, it might be worth five potentially five percent of your fab depending on who's on the the waivers then if you have those deeper leagues there's probably nobody worth putting any amount of money on but you'll take the flyers on you know the random you know player here and there that could be something like a oh well skylar thompson i'll put zero on him because there's nobody else to pick up yeah sure but if i have roster spots i will try to pick up anybody on waivers and see what happens like you might as well there's no reason to have no uh, an unfilled roster but i can't say with the utmost confidence yeah i'm going to go and bid x amount in this league or in in leagues just because it's league dependent oh always yeah Mm -hmm. but i was just trying to give like an idea of strategy what to do because i don't know i think it's something worth talking about because there are people there do i remember if I've ever taken anyone that was worthwhile at that point? No. But there are people that fall through the cracks, and sometimes it's worth it. Uh, I think his first name is da- Daniel. Daniel Bellinger, I think, is the tight end for the Giants. Like, he didn't get drafted a lot in the beginning mm-hmm. of the couple of rookie drafts. And then, well, I mean, hype is absolutely the wrong word because you're still taking him in the fourth or fifth. But it was, I went through and I put in two, three dollar bids on him and lost in a couple just because. And, and is he going to turn into anything? Probably not. What's the fun if you're not going to try and like you even you said, especially with tight ends and especially if there's a premium on your tight end scoring, it just seems like a good idea to try and see if there's a yeah. little bit of boost at some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you, we had talked a little bit and we didn't get Akasha's take on this, but kind of we prefaced the beginning of the uh, conversation on who we'd be targeting right now. Um, you know, post. Yeah, I was going to go back before we ended to see. Uh, okay, okay. If he had anyone, but yeah, just go now. That's cool. Uh, is there anyone you're targeting, Akash, right now, whether rookies or not, to trade for now that your rookie draft is over? Um, looking to target veterans, uh, I think this is time to start buying veterans before we get into point scoring season. Still a ways away, but I think uh, if I'm looking to tr- make trades, it's what I'm looking to do. Because obviously it's May and I'm not looking to start my roster now, but you know, every coming month we're going to have to think more and more about it. So. Yeah, I'll give you a few. I'll give you. You think about the names that you potentially take. I'll give a few names that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll stick with the the veteran pocket. And I'm going to go to the younger guy pocket. Um, the the three veterans that I'd probably be targeting, and they're in different levels of value. I mean, A Rob is the most expensive of the three, but I look at A Rob and I see like the the difference between like going from Adams to A Rob is pretty massive, right? From a production perspective. So I wouldn't necessarily say he's kind of like the discount Adams. I would say he's more of like the the Salvation Army version of Adams, <laughs> right? Whereas maybe the discount version of Adams might be like a Mike Evans, potentially. So, but I view Mike Evans and A-Rob as, well, he, A-Rob is a discount version potentially of Mike Evans. They're both older players. They could, you know, have double-digit touchdown seasons, um, probably not going to get you a ton of receptions, probably get you squeeze into a thousand yards, that type of thing. So I look at A-Rob as a guy that he's so much cheaper than a lot of these other veterans. And now he's going to be tethered to a good offense. Um, and they have just Cooper Cup right now. I, I'm, 
I used to like Van Jefferson quite a bit, but he's clearly just a tertiary option. They don't, the, the tight end position is still a massive void. I mean, I'm not a big Higby guy. So I look at A-Rob like this, he is legitimately the second option in a efficient offense. And this is the best offense he's ever been in. And his value is depreciated, m- much due to age, um, down into the range where you can get him for a second-round pick. You probably don't even need to give up a first-rounder anymore. So I look at A-Rob. Uh, Thielen is the Salvation Army version of these guys, too. So now, or he's the, he's the Dollar General version. So he's the Dollar <laughs> Store version of these guys. Right. So now you have Thielen going, I think he's like wide receiver 58. Yeah. Thielen's a great target right now. If, if you need production this year, Thielen, super cheap, should give you production if he stays healthy. Yeah. And then the other one that's probably even cheaper than all of these other guys, well, is even cheaper than Thielen, Tim Patrick. Like, if you want production this season, Tim Patrick's probably your guy. Because he legitimately might be the best receiver in Denver. How dare you? Yeah, he could be. He, he, could, he could legitimately be the best receiver in Denver, and you're going to get Last him year, for- there were like three. Last year, him, Judy, and Sutton were pretty much like almost statistically equal in a lot of categories. It's not that big of a discrepancy, honestly. Where There's a big discrepancy in price. I can right. see it. So you take, you take Tim Patrick. We don't know what's going to happen with Judy. Like now he's got his little, he might get suspended for a couple games, whatever the case may be. But if anything happens to Judy or Sutton, even if, so let's say Tim Patrick isn't the guy out of the gates where he is the main target and something happens to one of those two guys, he jumps right into that situation where now there's one less of those of that trio, and you're getting massive ROI from a production perspective. Not necessarily a value perspective, just pure production perspective. So he's worth, you could probably get him for a fourth-round pick, and he should give you significantly higher dividends than that this year. So if you're a contender just looking for a piece, or if you're like that semi-contender that you might, you don't want to go all in, on trying to contend, but you want to maybe start gathering pieces that could pop, Tim Patrick's one of those guys. So those are my veterans. Yeah, I like that one. I think um, someone that I'm interested in right now, especially in tight end premium leagues, is Travis Kelsey. Even though he is old, and that's scary, um, the age has provided a significant discount where someone who could easily be number one at the position, which provides significant wins over replacement, is discounted all the way to tight end four in Dynasty ADP. And I've seen them even in tight end premium leagues last till the third, fourth round just because of age. And I'm willing to pay up for those points just because when you have the ability to finish one at your position, it offers you a massive advantage. And Kelsey is a massive advantage. So Kelsey's great, but he's kind of like a depreciating asset, kind of like we've talked about. He's going to continue yeah, to lose value over time. So yeah. I look at, you know, same with. The Thielen, Allen Robinson, you're just paying for points. Yeah, you're, you're paying for the points. You're paying. So, for me, how I would approach it, and I think there's totally nothing wrong with the way that you're approaching it, but I would look at a guy like Dalton Schultz, who I think is going to be guaranteed target. I think he's earned the right to get high target volume alongside C.D. Lamb. And I say, okay, well, I don't want to pay up because Kelsey, even though he's tied on four, he's still expensive. Yeah, you're giving is. you're giving future first round equity plus to get him. Where Dalton yes. Schultz, you can get seventy five cents on the dollar production for ten cents on the dollar price. So that's kind of how I look at it. But I think there's I nothing know. wrong. The way I, the way I look at it is that Dalton Schultz is the replacement production, and Kelsey is your wins above replacement. Yeah, but- last year. Kelsey outscored him by five points per game in non-tight end premium. And the discrepancy was probably larger in tight end premium just because, especially in tight end premium, the hot, the better tight ends get boosted more because they're obviously getting more receptions per game. So the way I look at it is I'm either going to target very cheap replacement options or I'm going to target players who are significantly above replacement options. So even though those uh, elite guys are older, they're still guys I'm targeting, and if I'm not getting my hands on one of them, I'm going to target the guys who are really a lot cheaper, like Fant or something like that. Schultz is yeah, in so the middle range where he's not uh, elite, but he's not cheap, and so I'm not really interested well, in him right now. 
he finished tight on three last season. I get it. Not in a points per game perspective. He was like six or seven. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was five points behind Travis Kelsey. But you don't, if your rest of your roster is as is, you don't win or lose games on five point averages. You do. So like, you do. That's a, that's no, you, a large difference in wins over it, it's, it's actually not. So I actually did, I actually did this and went through like all of my leagues and I looked at all of my matchups that finished under sing, in single digits. And it's like, it was like 30 something percent, 30 point something percent of my matchups yeah. were 10 or less points. And if I go to five or less points, it's even, it's even lower. Then it was kind of the reason why I had looked into it is when people are doing win now trades is probably the least efficient thing you can possibly do in Dynasty. No, 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 I, no, I no, do with that. Let's I'm hold back. on. No, hold on. We need to not be general about this. Addison Hayes screwed up and he traded away CD Lamb for Keenan Allen. Oh. Because he, because he gave him five extra points a week on average. So horrible. Take that. Take that. Uh, Addison. <laughs> That's right. We're not letting him get away with that. But we are going to wrap it up now. We've been going a little long, and I, I see that fire in Akash's eye, but we need to keep him as the level-headed guy. We need to keep him as the calm guy, because that's that's we need one of those. And we are going to say thank you for listening from Russ at Dynasty Outhouse, Izzy at DTC underscore E, no, at DTC underscore Izzy E, there you go, and Akash at YZR underscore Fantasy. So many letters, you guys. Just make it words. Make it words. And for the Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much.